Tonight we have, oh my Lord, we have a great jazz piano pianist. We have a internationally acclaimed jazz musician, a master of the music. We have none other than Mr. Ramsey Lewis. You flattered me. You flattered me. How are you? I'm doing very well. Doing very well. Thank you. So listen, let's start off with this pandemic. How has that impacted you? Well, actually, at 85 years old, I wasn't doing as much running around as I did when I was 65 anyway. Uh, and I love to play the piano, uh, practice the piano here at home. So the only way it impacted me is my wife and I love to do movies. At least we used to do two or three movies a week. And so for quite a while, in fact, even now, we haven't started back yet to doing the kind of movies we'd, we'd like to do. Otherwise, I'm having a good life. Okay. What can I, what can I tell you? All right. Well, that's good. That's good. Let's you know move my, on. And you know my practicing. Well, I'm going to let you lead. You lead. Go no, go, go, go ahead. Go, go, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. You started. Go ahead. Well, my practicing is, 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 has led to something really nice that I'm sure you know about. I'm sure we'll get to it sooner or later, but being, being that I started talking about practicing, uh, I was practicing as I do every day. Uh, and, and I was trying to remember a piece that I used to play with um, the original trio with L.D. Young and Red Holt. And, I, and I, it, it was a Russ Freeman piece, piano player. And he did it on Chet Baker's album, Chet Baker with Strings. And I was trying to really bring it back. And finally I did, I got the whole thing. And little did I know that my wife was standing four or five feet from me and she had uh, taped it. And so now, uh, and she said, she liked it so much. She sent it for manager, Brett. And Brett liked it so much that he sent wherever he sent it. And now, you know, uh, I have this show that is uh, actually me doing what I was doing anyway, and that is sitting at the piano every day practicing. Okay, okay, okay. What's the name of that show, that series? Uh, oh boy. Is that Saturday Salon? Yes, Saturday yeah. Salon. And okay. in, Chicago, in Chicago, it's at one o'clock on Saturday, the last Saturday of every month at 1 p.m. in Chicago. Uh, so I don't know what it is around the world, but I know it is carried uh, around the world. And it's from one to two o'clock. And uh, each week I play something different. And um, it, it's just a joy. And I, I hate to say this, but it's something I would be doing anyway. So I'm glad to be sharing it, however, with more than my wife. At first I was just sharing it with my wife. Now I'm sharing it with 
uh, millions, or at least thousands of other people. Right, right. Now the proceeds from that go to help people who are sick with the COVID, right? That's right. Jazz musicians. The majority of the proceeds go to um, jazz musicians who need help with their medicines, their prescriptions, their rent, their food, whatever. Uh, they're kind of down and out during this period, and the majority of the proceeds uh, go to them. But I, I got to give a lot of credit to my wife because we spent, well, she spent, because she set up our living room like the studio. She went out and bought top-notch, first-line, engineered, studio-quality microphones, stands, uh, stage it, helped her know what she was doing, but she went out and bought all this equipment on 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 a tape day, our living room looks like a studio, and she's like an okay, engineer. yeah. <laughs> so we're we're both having fun. Okay, all right. So now, how can we find out about the uh, the jazz series? I know if they go to ramsaylewis.com, you announce it there. So yes. is that pretty much where we can go ramsaylewis.com. Yes, indeed. All right. Good. Good. And it's also interesting that this is Jazz Appreciation Month and that you're doing this this month. That's a good thing, you know, for the jazz artists. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm so pleased that jazz artists are trying to hang on and this is Jazz Appreciation Month. And of course, without people who appreciate jazz and without jazz musicians who have hung in there, where would we all be? And, you know, jazz appreciation takes me back to the days of when uh, we could play nightclubs. And after that, you know, after the hit records, we started playing uh, concerts and Carnegie Hall and all of that. And thousands of people would come out to see jazz. And it always amazed me. And I was so pleased to see so many people around the world that loved jazz. And I know they're still there. It's just going to be uh, a minute for us to figure out after this pandemic is over how we're going to get that going again. Now, will I be one of the ones traveling around the world? No. <laughs> okay. Well, I got you know what you know. Going to O'Hare is not one of the pleasures of my life anymore. Uh, can I tell you a story about that? Please. <laughs> About three, four years ago, uh, the limo picked us up here, here at the apartment and uh, took us to O'Hare. And uh, as we were getting out of the limo, my wife says, uh, excuse me, sir, the, the, the sky cap came and got our bags. And she said to the sky cap, uh, what gate is it? And he said, gate 92 or something, some, you know how big O'Hare is. And she says, oh, well then would you get my husband a wheelchair? <laughs> I said, what? She says, yes, would you would you get him a wheelchair? I said, a wheelchair? She says, yeah, it's, it's a distant gate, and I don't want you to try to walk. Well, she didn't know it, but at that moment, I started thinking to myself, it's time for me to start planning. I, I knew I couldn't do anything right away because I had too many concerts lined up that I couldn't cancel right away. But I started thinking at that moment, that's that's God's way of saying, well, you've had a good time. Life has been good to you. I've been good to you, says God. 
and 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 what are you going to do now? And so here we are, mm. and, I, and I'm enjoying life. Okay. Eight five years old. Maybe five years old. So I'll be, I'll be eighty six next month. Okay. So watch out! Watch out! I can take you. Okay. <laughs> you are good. You're good. You're good. So let's jump ahead a little bit. So have you formally retired from touring and recording, or what are you saying? I have formerly retired from touring and recording. The only time you can see or hear me play is on my uh, monthly last Saturday of every month uh, at 1 p.m. Chicago time. And I play here in my living room. But as far as um, going to O'Hare and playing around the world, or even going downtown to Orchestra Hall or Ravinia, no, Ravinia called me this year. Oh, Mr. Lewis, we we Ravinia is one of the um, major outdoor places here in Chicago that everybody plays. They wanted to know would I be willing to come next year, and I. I had to back out. I had been playing there. I started playing Ravinia. Oh my God. Ravinia is the home of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, but it has also throughout the year, the year starts from June through uh, September, all the top jazz people, all the top rock and roll and pop people. I mean, it's just a festival. It, it seats 3,000 people in the seats, but it seats uh, 15,000 people on the grass. And so I had to let them know that although it's only a car ride from here, uh, I'm just playing to me and my wife now. And the people that tune in on the, for the jazz show that I do once a month. Okay, okay. So since you won't be at Ravinia, I guess I will be seeing you on the last Saturday of every month. <laughs> I'll be there. Okay, I'm afraid yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Ravinia, the last time that I saw, yeah, the last time I saw you perform, was your 75th birthday. It was you, Nancy Wilson, and Dave Rubin. Were you guys, yeah, were you guys having as much fun as the audience was watching yeah. you guys? Yes, 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 yes. Mm. Back, backstage, too bad you couldn't have been backstage because backstage we were having a good time. After everybody kind of gets dressed up and presentable, we kind of run from one dressing room to the other and fool mm -hmm. around and tell jokes or whatever. Uh, and, and of course, Dave Brubeck and Nancy Wilson are two of the best in the business. And um, Nancy Wilson was the, the godmother of Dawn, one of my daughters. And so we, we knew each other very well, uh, Nancy and I. And I got, to know, I got to know Dave very well because he was on a lot of, you know, back in the day, jazz festivals all over the United States were plentiful. So when you play these festivals, a lot of jazz artists were on the same festivals across the country. So that's how I ran into Dave Rubeck a lot. And we kind of liked each other and we got to talking backstage and, and, and we, we, we began to really love each other and then talk to each other about what we're doing and how we feel about things. Okay, okay. So now did you see the Earth, Wind and Fire versus the Isley Brothers? last week. Did you see that? Oh, I missed it. People have been uh, talking to me since then. Oh, it was hot. It was hot. It was hot. But I got to see if my wife can't retain that. I want to see it. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's oh, okay. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. But I couldn't help but think about Maurice White. And I was just wondering, what did you see in a young Maurice White that you wanted him to be part of your group? Well, you know, Maurice White was the staff drummer for Chess Records. And Chess Records uh, had a lot of blues guys, Jimmy Reed and Muddy Waters, and they made a ton of money on these jazz guys. Then they started uh, branching out into jazz and they decided to have their own um, in-house jazz rhythm section. It was not only jazz, but they also played for some of the uh, blues guys too. And Maurice White was one of the staff musicians at Chess Records. So whenever I'd go down there for whatever reason, maybe two, three, four times a month, you know, I'd see Maurice, it, quiet spoken. I, I don't know if you ever had an opportunity to talk to Maurice, but Maurice was, hi, Ramsey. Hey, man, you know, he, he almost talks in a whisper. And so, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, we, we, we would always talk. And finally, when I had need of a, of a drummer, I was down there and I said, hey, Reese, you, you want to play with me? Oh, yeah, yeah, man. I'd like to play with you. Yeah, that'd be nice. And so we, he played with my group, as you know, for four or five years. And after maybe four or five, maybe six years, I don't know what it was, he said, Ramsey, I said, what? I'm going to form my own group. I said, oh, oh, so what? Is it going to be a, a quintet or a sextet or a quartet? Uh, no, it's going to be a little bigger than that. I said, well, well what? He said, well, we're going to dance and we're going to have horns and we're going to this and we're going to that. So I said, Reese, you better take a couple of aspirin and go lay down. Because, you know, if, if you had known Maurice, easy going, laid back, yes, soft spoken. And he had a big laugh out of that. I had a big laugh out of that. And um, of course, Maurice did exactly what he said he was going to do. And one of the highlights of my life is when I was I was playing somewhere in Washington, D.C. And Maurice and Earth, Wind and Fire had just sold out Madison Square Garden. And so he found out where I was in Washington. He called me. He said, hey, Rams. I said, yeah. So we, we kibitz for a few minutes. He said, I got a tune for you. I said, oh, really? I said, yeah. He said, it's going to be bigger than the in crowd. I said, come on, man. What? Wait, what are you bigger than the in crowd? He said, yeah, what you what you doing? We're in New York, but we're on our way back to LA. If you want, we can stop in Chicago. Are you going back to Chicago? I said, yeah, when I leave here, I am going back to Chicago. And by the way, I am in the studio. They're holding the studio for me right now. He said, so well, me and Philip Bailey and uh, Ralph and uh, I forgot a couple of other Earth, Wind & Fire guys, if you want, we can stop in uh, Chicago in uh, Paul Serrano's studio and, and, and give you this tune. And I, I promise you, it's going to be bigger than anything you've ever done. And then Reese, come on. He said, okay, you'll see. So <laughs> he, he, did, he did just that. And um, he, they stopped, about four or five Earth, Wind & Fire, they stopped in Chicago. And we took about three days. That's the kind of guy Maurice was, very thorough. Took about three days. He wanted to get the rhythm right, did this right, that right. He took about three days to this, this tune. Uh, I can't think, I forgot the name of it now. Um, Sun Goddess? No, no. no. 
Yeah. Another another tune. And and, and 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 it was we finished it. I can't the name won't come to me. And so okay. he said, All right, well, that's your hit record. That's the biggest thing you're gonna ever have. So they were starting to pack up. So Reese said, wait, 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 wait. I got this other little melody. And um it's a short, it's a 16 bar melody, so we're gonna have to take some solos. So after 16 bars, maybe Donald Myrick can take a saxophone solo. Then we'll play the melody again. And then Ramsey, you take a solo. Then we'll play the melody again. And Ramsey, you come back in and play and play and play to give it some length, give it some body. I said, okay, yeah. he, but you got your hit record. Because the other song, that the name of that other song just won't come to me. The other song stayed on radio for three weeks. So it obviously wasn't a big hit record. But the album finally came out. And when the album came out, it had both songs on it. In the album, they couldn't keep it in the stores. So people were coming in the stores. Finally, they called the store and said, why, why the single didn't do anything? Why do people come, they're coming in looking for a song called Sun Goddess. And that's the song that Maurice brought to me that he thought it was just a filler. You know, that's why he made, you don't know, on the album is almost eight minutes long. So, you know, that's not a single at all. Um, right. I, I've always been touched by Maurice and what he's all about and his family and so much so that the family asked me to speak at his memorial service, which I, and I was very touched about that. He was a fine human being. Wow. Nice, nice, nice. Now, Art Blakey and Betty Carter always believed in hiring the, the young folks. And so, so did you. What's the benefit of hiring young musicians, do you think? Well, their energy and their commitment. And they don't have, hmm, they don't have any hangups. <laughs> their main thing at, their, at that point in their life is to make it. And they'll do, and, and if we need to rehearse more than usual, if we need to, whatever, they're all for it. And if you find a group of people that are willing to put in the time to not only practice at home and get their chops together on whatever instrument they're playing, then when they come to rehearsal, if you're willing to rehearse whatever amount of time it takes to, and commit to the music, then that's, that's, that's love, man. You don't know how good it feels to have four, five, six guys in a room rehearsing and after a couple, three hours, four hours, the music comes together and everybody starts laughing and giggling. And, yeah, that was great, wasn't it? Yeah, that was great. So the young guys always had that attitude. And, you know, some of the younger, uh, some of the older experienced guys retained that attitude. But, you know, once you get older and you've, you've been around the track a few times, you made a few things, trips around the world, maybe, your attitude is a little different. So I found if I if I hired younger guys who were trying to make it in their career and treated them, treated them properly, uh, everything would just be fun, and it was. But they had to be able they had to be able to play. Now they had to know their accent. They had to know, the, know their instruments. Right, 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 right. What's the best advice you've given young musicians? Was it was, is it that or anything else that you would teach them along the way? Young musicians, know your instruments. Yeah. 
Know your instrument, young musician. If, it's, if you need to go back and get a teacher, and most of you do need to get, go back and get a teacher to actually learn, if you're a bass player, learn how to use that bow. If whatever instrument you know, you, you're playing, know that instrument. And you know when you're doing a little shucking and a little jive, you know that. And that is not good. You got to feel free and open when you open yourself up to, another, to the rest of the band and to people in the audience. So feel if you play trumpet, bass, fiddle, or whatever instrument you play, know your instrument. And there's nothing wrong with going back. I mean, after several years, uh, I, I found a, a piano coach. And I, I had hit records already. But I, fi I find myself doing little things that didn't feel good in my hands. So I found a piano coach in the suburb of Chicago. Eloise Neva, that's her name. I don't know if she's still around. And, and um, she knew classical music. She didn't know a lot of jazz, but she knew how to play the piano. She knew what it was all about playing piano. And she says, oh, well, play something for me, Ramsey. So I, I play a few things. And uh, she said, oh, you know what? Your elbows, or, you, or you're dropping your, or whatever. You know, she had these little suggestions. And she gave me a few, she wrote out a few things to perform, I mean, to practice. And sure enough, whatever I was doing wrong, she helped correct them. Now that was after I had three or four hit records. So if, if, you, if you're committed to knowing your, your instrument and to what music's all about, it's never too late to correct whatever you feel is not making you feel quite as comfortable as you should be. Hmm. Okay. I want to go back to uh, Nancy Wilson for a minute. So you recorded two albums with her back in the 80s, I believe. What was it about her that you just admired so much? And even today, what do you miss most about Nancy Wilson? Natural singer, a natural singer, a natural musician. She, just, she had not had one lesson, hello, but she loved music. She studied music in her ear. You know, we did a lot of concerts together. And, you know, jazz musicians, you don't want to play the same thing twice all of it. But you, music that's written for singers is written out, and there it is. But sometimes, just for the fun of it, I get to a certain place and I kind of bob and weave and kind of do something. And she was so talented, she, she would go with me. She would be singing. And, and, and then she, as she was doing it, she'd look around at me and smile and, and look back and keep singing. And we had so much fun like that. She, and, and backstage, she was just a wonderful human being, besides mm -hmm. being a great singer. Right, right, right. Is that what you miss most about her? It was just her, her personality, her energy? Yeah, Nancy was, was one of a kind. Backstage, she was just a, a regular person. I mean, you'd think, what do you do? Are you a teacher or are, are, are you, a, what do you do backstage? Until she puts on an outfit, of course. But she sit up, she sit backstage, come out of her dressing room into our dressing room. We just kibitz with, she kibitz with the band. Uh, and she was just a, a very, very nice, lovely person. And, I sorely miss her. 
That's totally makes sense. Anyone else you would like to work with? These days, no. There's there's plenty of musicians that I still admire. There are plenty of musicians that I still have on my iPod that I still listen to and say, boy, he can play, or boy, she can play, or he can sing, she can sing. But in terms that key word you just said, work with, whenever I hear somebody say work with, right behind that, I hear them saying, well, go to O'Hare. As soon as I hear O'Hare, it's like, no. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But, but now that you're, that you're settled at home, any plans to write your own life story, to write a book about you and where you've been and all that good stuff? You know, it's interesting that you should say that because like now, you 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 know we're doing this interview but i don't know i don't know about me writing a book i i'd probably get through one chapter and try to then start to try to think of something else to write i don't know i'm not at this point in my life although i'll be 86 next month where i think that i have a book in me where I can do two, three, four hundred play pages of me. Now, playing the piano, that's a different thing. But having somebody sit down and read about me, not now. I, maybe, maybe if my wife, you know, Jan, she's got she's got me into doing things I never thought I would do. Oh, come on, honey, you can do this. So maybe if she ever got on my case, <laughs> I'd do it. But other than that, I think I just keep on playing the piano. Okay. Now, this is the uh, Black Muse uh, station. Who inspired you? I mean, you know, just in general, who inspired you? My daddy. Hmm. My daddy. He, he, my daddy was a maintenance man. He, he came from Georgia. He had to leave Georgia because they were lynching people down there and beating up people. My mama came from Mississippi, same thing. They didn't know each other. But daddy, I don't think daddy finished the eighth grade. But my father came up here and he, every Sunday, he'd have on a suit. In fact, daddy put on a suit and tie or a jacket and a tie to go to work. And he was a maintenance man. Hello. Yeah. I said, Daddy, you know, well, son, you know, I, I, I like to, I like to feel like I'm, I like to put on a tie. And and he would go with his suit and tie on, Hall Printing Company. That's where he worked. And he'd get there and take off his clothes. And, but he he started. He knew music, and I don't know how Dad knew so much music, except through listening that he became the church choir director at our church. And he finally one day said, Sonny, now I don't you tell nobody, I want you to tell nobody that he called me Sonny. You gotta keep this a secret, you. <laughs> he said, Sonny, I want you to play for, the, play for the choir. And so before Thursday night rehearsal, he showed me the songs that they were gonna rehearse. And I'd come to Thursday night rehearsal and Sunday, 
when it came time for the guys. There was a senior choir and they sang a certain style of music. And there was a gospel choir. And they would, I call them the get down choir, you know, because they got people up on their feet and shouting. That's the choir that my daddy was the director of. But, mm. but he also not only liked to get people up on their feet, but he liked to sing nice, slower songs to get to their heart. And he came from the school of music where they would say, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. If you put some 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 notes up in front of him, he didn't know what those notes really were. He after after I was taking lessons, he called me over. Come on, son, and play this for me. Now, what is that? I said that's A B whatever. But he, you know, um, but he got so much into music to to, to direct a choir, and the choir would travel all over not the United States but all over Chicago, singing for other churches. So. One of my main influences, I would say, is the fact that dad got me into gospel music. Because people say, <laughs> that's interesting, you know, early on, they couldn't figure out what my style was. When, because most jazz musicians, that they, they were influenced by, by Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Bud Powell. I loved Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Bud Powell, and all of those people. But I had um, listened to, oh, the name just left me. Um, oh boy, the two people that, that really that really influenced me, and now their names just left me. See, that's what get, that's what happened when you get to be eighty six years old. Okay. That's okay. That is all right. Continue. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, and they, they were they were from the classical side and uh, the gospel side and that's why for, for some of the first interviews i got or reviews people couldn't figure out what kind of style i had because it, it was a combination of the classical influence and the gospel influence and to this day i think those are the two main influences in my music the gospel and in the, in the classical. Okay. Right. So now I read somewhere, it may have been after a performance at Virginia, but I read somewhere that you, you got a standing ovation that night and was, everything was great and dandy. And somehow you came home and you were practicing the piano once again. And then you put on Art Tatum or Oscar Peterson. What were you doing? Why do you do that? I mean, you're great but just always perfecting the greatness. Talk well, to me about that. Well, I don't, you know, I never thought, called myself great, but I, I, I also know that um, there, there's, many, there's people that I can learn from. And at that period of my life, and at this period of my life, there are things that Oscar Peterson and Art Tatum do, now on records, of course, that uh, astound me. And when I think I'm such a much, when people have given me those standing ovations and this, that, and the other, and three bottles of champagne and this, that, and the other, I come home and put on some art table and Oscar Peterson, and they, they're like saying, take that, now go sit down. Okay. <laughs> All right. So now, going back to the beginning of your career, you won three, three Grammy Awards. What was it like to you for you to win a Grammy? 
Well, it was very exciting because I had seen mainly uh, pop and rock people get Grammys and some jazz people get Grammys. But uh, to, 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 to receive a Grammy, unfortunately, the first one that was uh, given to me was for the in crowd. And I didn't know I was going to get it. So we, I was out touring and I couldn't cancel it to get it. But when I got back to Chicago, I was able to, to go pick it up or they, they brought it to me. I forgot how I got it. And to hold it in my hand, it was a thrill mm. because it brought back the, the shows on television and brought back all of the important people, all of the, the major players that had received Grammys before me. And here, there I was standing with the Grammy in my, my first Grammy for the in crowd standing there with one in my hand. And so it's just a, it's just a symbol of what can happen if you commit it. I don't know many, or I don't know of many musicians, singers that have received those kind of awards that have not made a major commitment. And if I have any advice to young people coming up, you can't sham, you can't jive. You know, if you want to join the big time, of which Grammys are part of the big time. You got to make a, make a commitment and learn what you're, what you're all about, whether you're a piano player, a singer, or a horn player, you can't shuck and jive. I like that. I like that. So we're almost at the very end of everything in this interview. Time, time has flown by so quickly. But before, before I let you go, how would you like to be remembered, Ramsey? This is 80 years from now. How would you like to be remembered? <laughs> you know, I don't even think like that. And see, how would I like to be remembered? First of all, I'm flattered that 80 years from now somebody would remember me. <laughs> but but, okay. but but I would I would I would like people to say he was he was a nice guy and he was committed to playing the piano. And that was about it. Okay. And of course, I lucked out when I found a lady called Jan. And of course, my first wife passed away. And when Jan married me, she has definitely made a difference because you found out today she steps in and does a lot of things in support of, of what I do. And um, so how would I like to be remembered? Check my music out, you know, because many, many people don't know you, so they can't really remember you, but maybe they can remember you through your music. And I, I have many albums that spread through not only the in crowd, Sun Goddess, kind of radio, I call them radio tunes, but there are other albums I did with symphony orchestras. And there's albums I did with Dr. Billy Taylor, two pianos. Now that's a challenge. Hello, you you yes. sit down, you sit down across from Billy Taylor, man. You better know what you're doing, because he'll run right over you. And so there are moments in my life that I look back on, and that, so I hope people remember the, the contribution I made that 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 showed that I appreciated things, uh, events rather, 
like being with Earth, Wind and Fire and Billy Taylor and Nancy Wilson, concerts, festivals with Dizzy Gillespie, etc. Life has been good to me. All right. All right. Well, our time is up. But before you go away, anything else you would like to share? Anything that we did not talk about that you wish that I had asked you? No, you, you're one of the three or four very thorough interviewers. And I wish everybody was as, as, as thorough as you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, sir. Well, it's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. Thank you. And I hope to see you again. All righty. I'll be there on the 24th. I'll be there. I'll be listening on the 24th. Oh, great. Okay. Bye bye. All righty. Thank you. Indeed. All righty. <laughs>